Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday sell-off edition of Benzinga's Free Market Prep. Spencer, Israel, Joel, O'Connor, Dennis, stick with you as we are every morning, whether it's an up day or down day. Today, certainly the latter. Uh, if you have a stock that's up, congratulations, you're in the minority. Um, but everything, everything seems like it's down this morning, especially crypto, which we'll get to. We'll talk target earnings, which is up, but probably not for long. Uh, we'll talk take two earnings. Uh, we got a lot to discuss on the show today. Two guests on the show. Ivan Feinseth. He is from Tigris Financial Partners, which on the show at 835. And at 9 o'clock, our big interview with the Jumia co-founder and co-CEO, Sasha Poindenek. It'll be me and Chris Kachi from Spax Attack. Handling that at nine o'clock. So, looking forward to that in the, at nine today. Co CEO of Jumia, Sasha Pointedek. Uh, guys, hit that like button for us. That, that, that's a great way to start your day. And it takes two seconds and it's a way to show your support. So, we appreciate all the likes that we get. Um, I think I'll just throw, the, throw it open to Joel here and have Joel just sort of take it, take it, take it away. But, um, Joel, it's certainly your morning. Yeah, good. It's a, I'll give you guys the good news. The good news is that I'm not doing that nine o'clock interview because I would have said Jemiah. Yeah. I didn't know it was Jumia. Did you know that, Dennis? That's how you pronounced it? I did not know that. Uh, folks, no idea. There's plenty, plenty of red here. Uh, couldn't open up, hit the open lower, hit the close. Boom. We're down 41 and a half handles. I had to adjust my numbers. I only got two numbers on the downside to look at for the remainder of the day. Uh, crude is down a buck forty nine. It's sixty four oh one. Crude getting hit. Uh, gold not a hedge right now. Uh, down ten dollars and one cent at uh, ten fifty seven sixty. Silver that's down fifty nine cents. Didn't spend much time in the uh, twenty eight handle at uh, twenty seven seventy four. And Bitcoin, I guess we'll talk a little Bitcoin this morning. That's down four thousand two hundred forty dollars at thirty eight thousand. This is called thirty nine thousand. Uh, Triple D. Uh, well, first of all, I want you to know I have a new indicator. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? It's the Triple D three fifteen phone call indicator. 
Oh, yeah, we did. We had a phone call yesterday. When the market was flat yesterday, we were trading around 4.14 or 4.15 on the SPY. And I don't know if the whole market is tapping the phone calls of me and Joel Conan, but I'm just like, this market just doesn't look healthy. I mean, there's so the rotation where it was keeping us up before is not allowing the markets to go higher because there's always something that was falling. And yesterday, the value names, you saw a great run in, in the growth names, the growth names bouncing back. Even our, our Marcus, you know, had some love with his ride. A lot of the stuff that had really got beaten up, the Kathy names were bouncing back. But what did they do? They weren't flying into everything. They were flying out of all the things that had been working. So as much as rotation was, you know, allowing the spy to keep going up, up, up. Now the rotation is actually holding the market down because they're always selling something. But today is a sell everything day here, Joel. I'm looking at my screen and I'm trying to find a sector that is green here. Target is the only stock that I'm looking at. On, oh, well, I got Prudential, but I'm sure that's just in, that's just a tick probably. It's not really up. Yeah, it's not really up. Uh, Target is basically, out of the major S&P components, really the only stock that is trading in the green. TGT. Ford is trying. Ford is right there. It is flat. But obviously, we have, you know, EV F-150 day today. But so that trade still working because it's not down. But man. Oh, oh, and take two. Take two's in there too. CRM too. So there's a few. CRM got an upgrade. Take two at earnings. There's a few. But holy mackerel, Joel. What are your thoughts here? Wow. I don't know where to start. I think what I'll do is I'll start with perhaps a possible reason for the why we're at and what's happening in the market. And uh, I was talking to a former big time money manager uh, yesterday, and he has a theory. And he has a theory that uh, a lot of these crypto exchanges are just offering insane margin, right, to trade these vehicles. And what he's concerned about is that, you know, maybe some even bigger players are going into these cryptocurrencies on a heavy margin and it's not working out for them. So as a result, they're having to sell their stocks. So uh, I think there's one crypto exchange that offers 100 to 1 on uh, on trading these things and we all know about margin and what margin can do to things so i have no idea about any of that like 100 to 1, to one margin on crypto well, so if you're going big if into crypto <clears throat> and you're using and you say oh, oh you're you're having to sell stocks so that that could be and and with the fallout in crypto but uh Dennis, couldn't it I know just you be Joel, if there's that. a big bubble in everything which we've been talking about couldn't it just be as simple as that that money has been you know just flying into anything and everything I mean, we've been talking about, you know, uh, like the question I was getting the last few weeks, what do you want to buy here? What are you buying? What are you buying? I keep saying, I'm, not, I'm buying cash. I've been buying cash for weeks, you know, and every rally, you know, I've been using to lighten up stocks. I did something three days ago that I hadn't done in I don't know how long. I sold some of my cues in my long-term portfolio. I haven't done that, you know, and, and this was in my retirement account. So I went to the one with the RSP because that's all taxed anyway. So I don't have any tax consequences. I won't sell the queues outside my RSP because yeah, I'm averaged in at like $40. So I can't sell those pretty much ever. But the other ones are in my RSP. So there's no tax consequences because the whole thing's taxed at the end. But I was like, we had that rip and rally three days ago. And I'm like, this is just stupid. 
I'm like, this is just dumb money, FOMO coming in. I'm like, we have all kinds of overhead supply on the queues at 3.30. And it's time to, you know, continue to lighten up into the rallies, sell the reps. I'm, I've been selling reps, and I haven't really been buying dips, although I did buy a couple of stocks. We talked about that, um, you know, that I took a fly on the U because of Michael Pactor. Had a good day yesterday. But again, it's just the type of market here. Everything is so inflated. It's hard to go and say, oh, yeah, I want to invest in this market. When you look at multiples and you look at, you know, I, I just can't see jumping in. I, I was saying even two weeks ago, the value stocks are overvalued. I mean, these are value stocks. You know, yes, Macy's, you know, the PE. And yes, I got that one wrong. People will be quick to point that out yesterday. But I said, if it turns around and gives it back, then that trades off. I mean, it's not good that we continue to sell good companies on good earnings. This has been an excellent, excellent, excellent earnings season. And the market has gone down during it. That's telling you just prices and expectations are just simply too high. And, you know, do we have an imminent crash? No, I don't think so. But do we need a correction? For sure. We need a 10 percenter. We need like a pullback on the spy. We're down three. We need a 10 percenter really to like shake some people out because everything is inflated. I did, The one thing I bought, I got my head chopped off on. And um, <laughs> if you buy something, you pretty much get your head. Shot. I know, and I get that saying. I'm not buying anything. I buy anything. I AT and How do you like this for an investment thesis? Okay, I bought the T because I like the dividend and it, it, you know, and its value, and I'm going to get a return. But now that they cut the dividend and the stock's gotten killed, I might hold on to it because I, I think it's a growth stock now. <laughs> That's what but they're they trying to be. Yeah. That's what they're trying to feed you. I have no idea. You know, AT&T, obviously, Kramer are spot on on that. We give Kramer some heat sometimes. we got to give him love and credit where credit is due. They were all over that. He was all over that they were going to cut the dividend. He asked and got the information out. I mean, it was hidden. You know, the the devil's in the details. And the details, you know, weren't weren't very obvious early you know, two days ago or in the early in the morning because the stock was trading up significantly. But then when you reach down, you see that, you know, their target dividend rate was going to be cut. I didn't say anything about like cutting the imminent cut. Just said the target rate was going to go down. And that means it's gonna, they're going to cut it. So great research by CNBC and Jim Cramer on that. And, you know, the stock's been punished rightfully so. But we've talked AT&T at, you know, a, a okay. lot in the last couple of days. Let's bring it back to crypto. Because this is really the reason that the markets are down here this morning. Yep. This is a crypto overnight. It's pretty much an overnight crash. Can we show her some of these crypto? I mean, I've got a theory. Is that right? It's down 25% tonight. <laughs> that's, that's right, Dennis. <laughs> like, I mean, these are, is this, I've got a little piece of Ethereum still. And I have a little piece of Bitcoin still. But, I mean. You talked about selling that yesterday. Uh, yeah, I want to sell everything. I'm like, I just can't go off of like complete zero on all this stuff. So I sold a bunch of my crypto we know when I was trashing it on the Saturday Night Live. Tom, what about that? What was that I Saturday kept, Night Live? We kept tweeting about it that it appeared that that was a nice setup for a top and not just doggy coin, but in all of crypto. The Saturday Night Live topping event. It took a little while. It didn't top right away. It took a little while, but eventually. Um, you know, it does look like that Elon Musk and obviously, you know, Musk crapping on it, you know, three days later really capitulated it now. But I mean, we look at Bitcoin, you look at all of crypto. It's a mess now. Technically, we look completely broken on all these charts. Is the story over? I don't think it's completely over on all this stuff. But we there was so many warning signs, you know, and a lot of those warning signs 
came from my Twitter feed. I want to toot my own horn because everybody <laughs> trashes me. My haters say, you know, when I was tweeting about selling, you know, and I sold, we know I sold half my Bitcoin and half my Ethereum two weeks ago because I was like, I want to hold a little piece yet, but I don't want much exposure here. So I think there's imminent pullback. And I said, I think the crypto market is where the SPACs market was two weeks ago. Here's what I tweeted on May the 6th. May the 6th. The crypto market is currently where SPACs were back in February. All froth. I'd book profits now if I were long a lot of crypto. That's why I sold my extra Bitcoin. I bought more Bitcoin. I sold the extra stuff. Everybody's saying I, I was going to hold to zero or or five or uh, 500,000. So I kept a little piece of Bitcoin there, which looks like crap now because I bought it at 17,000 and obviously up to 60. I should have sold it all. Uh, but I did. And I held a little piece of Bitcoin, but it's so small. Um, it, it, there's just so many warning signs. If you load up in crypto, you're seeing you know, the growth names all get hammered. Well, the crypto doesn't even have, you know, the crypto, there's no profits. There's nothing there. I mean, this is all, it was all froth. And, it, and the run was just incredible. The warning signs were all there. Everybody talking about it. I took so much heat. And I, I still take heat. I know I tweet something out and people say I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about crypto. But you know what? You don't have to. Here's, here's, here's the real reality. I don't know. I, I don't sit here and, and pretend to know everything about the fundamentals of every single stock. You don't have to. You just have to know relationships and identify them. I'm not a fundamental analyst that I'm sitting here and analyzing the balance sheet of General Electric to come up with a price target. I don't do any of that. I know technicals a little bit, and I know relationships. And you know what? That's all you need to know. You don't need to know how all the crypto markets works to make money in it. And that call was just the linkage that I say there's a linkage between crypto and growth names. And eventually, crypto is going to collapse like all those growth growth names did. Yeah, eventually it was going to happen. And it did. So, you know, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I still I'm, I'm very good with relationships. And those growth names and crypto, there's a relationship there, whether you crypto people like it or not. And it paid. And that, and that relationship paid. Yeah. Also, technically, uh, Bitcoin, you know, it had that consolidation from uh, 52 to 60 for 11 days and 11 days of consolidation. It had there was an event. Uh, you know, Musk, uh, you know, tweeted about it. He sell, he didn't sell or whatever, but that broke it out of the consolidation period, tried one day to get back up. And then this is what you have. So that I, I talked about this yesterday, someone tweeted at me, but they deleted their tweet and the monthly say 34 K. I mean, I didn't think it would happen today, but you know, still, and another thing too, if you're dipping your toe in crypto here and you're saying 39,000, this is a bargain. There's people long from a nickel in this thing. There are people, you know, from much, much lower prices that are still going to whack a bid at 38,600. So you talk about overhead supply and things building up, <laughs> unless everyone's just getting margined out on this and they're, they're being sold out of their positions. But Boy, the, the path back up, you know, I don't know if Reddit, and we talked about Reddit uh, perhaps turning on uh, Tesla and uh, Bitcoin as well. I mean, I don't know how many how much shorting they do out there, but uh, a couple different factors. But, you know, it's just one day. The market moves. We needed a, we need a correction. Are we going to take out last week's low? We still got 64 handles to go to get to last week's low, folks. That's a long way. So I'm not going to get super concerned until we take out that. It's actually 50 handles until we take out uh, 40, 40, 29, 50. 
I mean, is this a dip to buy in Bitcoin? Probably, but again, when you're buying on day one after you know a move like this, there's often some dust, there's often a retest, usually it just doesn't snap right back. I mean, the warning signs must gave you the sell signal. I mean, yeah, you know, I got lucky maybe with the call and you know the setups were there to say, you know, two weeks ago that I lightened it all up. Um, you know, and tweeted out multiple times. I probably had a dozen tweets where I was like, I don't like crypto. I don't like crypto. I was trying to warn my followers that I think you should, like I had my buddy who is a chiropractor down in Memphis and he's just loaded up with crypto. Um, you know, like I'm, it's just like, I'm like, I think you got to lighten up. I think, you know, this is the time, um, you know, to, to light, start lightening up. And that's why I was tweeting out so, you know, so much over the last, two and a half weeks like I, I started the little handle saturday night live crypto topping event i just could feel it you know and maybe you know i didn't i'm not i'm not saying i made a lot of money i didn't make any money i sold half of it and i still took a little bit of heat on it but you know i'm not trying to always to go on my twitter feed and trying to make money i'm trying to like save people money you know we're trying to give you know opinions we're trying to give trading ideas but when i really get convicted about something which i was on the elon musk Saturday Night Live topping event, like Doggy Coin topped that moment. I mean, it was your classic buy on rumor, buy ahead of the event, and sell on the event. That's what happened with Doggy Coin. The crypto and Ethereum kept going, though, which surprised me, and it kept going for a few days after that before we obviously started selling off. But sometimes there's just, you know, some obvious, you know, opportunities there. It was overdone. There was froth. There was a lot of ducks in a row there for crypto to top out a couple of weeks ago. And I think now you're starting to see some of that money come out. So is there a buying opportunity here? I, I'm more inclined to buy Ethereum. Um, I sold half my Ethereum. I'll probably buy that back soon. Uh, maybe at 2000. We'll see. But it's an ugly day. So we can let the dust settle. You know, when the meteor hits, boom, you know, there's going to be some dust and stuff. So let's just see what materializes, you know, and then it tries to rebuild its technicals. You know, wait till it starts going up maybe before trying to catch the falling knife. All right, real quick, one trivia, then we're actually going to cover stocks. Who was the originator of the Time Magazine cover indicator? Holy Joel, you give hard trivia questions. Come on. He's, he's deceased. He wrote about this. I guess he'd have to adjust the name now. I bet you, I bet you Vegas in the chat's going to get it. I, and then what his theory was is like by the time something got to Time Magazine and they were talking about it, then that was the top. Come on, was oh, this the Baron's cover too? Uh well, he he called it Time the Magazine time... Baron's cover. I mean, yeah. when stuff gets talked about, you know, we we had Chris Camilo coming on. It's the same indicator. Sorry to take your trivia question away, but I'll just go on a little tangent before you give your answer. I'll give other people a time to come up with that. But Chris Camilo, same thing. When they start talking about your stock on CNBC, it's time to hit the sell yep. button. I mean, when the mass media, you know, like, and these are, you know, smaller names. But I mean, for the most part, when a story gets hot and now everybody knows about it, that's usually when the froth and everything is going to go into it. Oh, I heard about this from my friend. I got to go get into this. You know, like my buddy telling the story um, about, you know, grandma coming in with silver and oh, my, my grandson says to put money in silver and comes and buys silver at, you know, when it was $49 an ounce, right at the very top, puts all our money into it. I mean, this is, you know, when you're hearing, this is why I rarely take, you know, our chat's awesome. We get lots of great ideas, but, you know, your friend heard this or this, or this is a good scoop. I mean, a lot of that stuff just doesn't materialize. It means it's out there everywhere. 
that's more of a sell signal than a buy signal when your buddy at the gym taps you on the shoulder. Have you heard about this stock, this odd stock? So anyways, let's go back to your trivia answer. Graham got it. Paul McRae Montgomery. Holy mackerel. Nobody yeah. nobody in here was getting that. No, nobody, they did. All, all they did. Gordon did. That. Or Graham. Graham. He must be up around Our chat's a lot smarter than me and Spencer. Let's go. So. Let's go Target because I thought the CEO was very modest on CNBC. I think that he just nice was NFC very right conservative talking about moving forward. What? Uh, so let's look at the numbers and what Target's doing. We, we said Target's going to crush it, and boy, did they crush it. Uh, their Q1 earnings per share was $3.69 versus a $2.25 estimate. They beat it by a buck and a half. Sales twenty four point two billion versus twenty one point eight billion, so they crushed the uh, yeah. top line revenue as well. Comps up eighteen percent. They guided comps growth in the mid to high single digits for the current quarter. It was all good as we thought it would be, as we saw from Walmart yesterday. Uh, the question now. Does the stock hold its gains from this morning is the question. The obvious answer would be no, but because it's so, so bloody obvious. obvious that it's it's hard to go short this. I mean, now everybody's thinking, oh, yeah, it's up. It's got to sell off, right? I know. So obvious guy says, yeah, short this pop. But I'm, I'm hesitant because, one, this was a really good quarter. Two, they already did it with Walmart. There's a lot of people thinking that way. There's a lot of people thinking, okay, yeah, you know, and Home Depot, you know, was an obvious one yesterday, too, which – Man, you know, I take a lot of heat when I give a, a very firm opinion there, but I'm going to say I'm going to toot my own horn here today again on Home Depot. It's 327 in the pre-market. This is a setup that that was a perfect opportunity, a perfect quarter for Home Depot, and it was all it was just too good. It was as good as it gets. Remember that movie with Jack Nicholson? Is this as good as it gets? Home Depot was as good as it gets yesterday. It's off 14 bucks already. It's fallen 5% from where we talked about it yesterday at 327 when I set up. I was long it. I even tweeted it. If I don't long it, I'd sell it. Um, I didn't sell it short. I actually tried to sell it short after the fact, but it it really went down. It was weird, man. When yeah, you talked about it, it was... I probably would have taken some heat and not been able to You would have gotten it. hit off yeah. the open. I know the way you trade opens. Yeah. And you would have you would have gotten run over. It, it wasn't an easy one. Like at yeah. three twenty six, three twenty seven, we got short in the pre market. I know. Right I think here. Big Bill. I think Big Bill got short it. Great trade. Um, but you know, we're we're bouncing around doing a lot of things. I never got back to it until later, and then it was three twenty three, and I'm like, oh, do I short at three twenty three in the pre market? I was hoping to come up back up to three twenty six, so I get a second shot. Never did, and then went straight down. But I mean, you just got to watch chasing stocks in this environment. It's not the the it's not the time to chase stocks with that being said a lot of people have already now thinking you got to think what everybody else is thinking so people are naturally thinking oh sell the target sell the target pop so does that mean it doesn't come in today it's a good quarter normal environment you'd think it would run on it but we've been in an environment that they sell every good earnings so i think i'm just out i'm not gonna even make a call target I'm not going to, you know what? I'm going to let this shake out a little bit. And then when I'm covering stocks after nine, I'll, I'll give my technical take on it. What else do we have? Uh, well, we had, we had take two as well, which is a bit of the same situation, right? Earnings were very good. Uh, oh, that was out after the close yesterday. The, yeah. uh, the earnings uh, per share from take two, a buck 40 sales of 800 and $39 million. Uh, both of those numbers, I believe beat the estimates. Let me confirm that. Uh, yeah, and uh, the stock is up, but it's just a question of of how for how long. 
Take two in a completely different situation than target, a stock that's sitting up near the highs. Take two sitting near the lows. Expectations were lower. The quarter itself actually wasn't as good as you'd think. They actually hit it on the initial numbers. But because the money started rotating into growth yesterday and take two tech, it started rotating into tech yesterday as well. Um, a dip on take two was was likely going to get bought. I actually tried to buy the dip. Whew. I tried wow. to buy the dip. I had it in my head. I'm like, this dip's it's going to be a buying opportunity. It did. I didn't get it. I was like playing around. It's hard. The one thing is about earnings. I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm gonna go buy the dip on this. But then I'm so busy. Like I always say, when you trade an earnings stock, you can't have anything else going on because you got to babysit that thing. And even if I make money on take two, I'm buying an earnings dip. It probably costs me money overall and an opportunity cost because I can't trade 10, 20, 30 other stocks, you know, doing different types of inefficiency trading when I got to concentrate on an earnings call. So it's tough, you know, and that's the same reason why on a Home Depot, it's like, okay, well, I had 102 positions going into the open yesterday. Do I have the time <laughs> to babysit Home Depot? Probably not. So, I mean, this is, you know, and, and you say, how do you babysit 102? Well, I'm avoiding news. So they're moving more with the market as opposed to, you know, moving on individual company news. You get those individual stocks, you're trading one or two stocks, you can trade these earning stocks, you can make calls with this. But once you get over five to 10 positions, you got to be in some slower stuff because you get in that fast stuff and it's tough to trade. Those earnings swings are wild. And you can lose a lot of money in a hurry if you're on the wrong side of it. So you got to babysit those positions, and they're tough to do. But take two, um, the reason I think it does hold up today is it has been oversold. It is one of those tech names that they were piling into. Kathy had a really good day yesterday. The growth names have turned. I think on the dips today, I think I'm looking at adding a little bit more of those growth names to my portfolio, the beaten down ones. Like, you know, I was looking at Fastly. I have it on my list, literally lit, written yeah, on my list. It's on my the list 40, at 60. The $40 level is trying to hold. We get a dip here this morning. We had a big director, you know, that went under the radar, I think bought $20 million worth about a week ago. So there is insiders that are buying here fastly too. The thing's been absolutely hammered down from 120 to 40. Is it still overvalued? Probably. But is it oversold? Definitely. So is there an opportunity for this to eventually get a bounce? I think if the market goes to turn, I think it will be those uh, higher growth names that lead us out of here now. I think the value market rally is... is uh, peaking or if it hasn't already peaked so trying to reallocate a little bit of my swing trading and i'm trying to do some swing trades on the long side still on a few um i think fastly sets up not bad from 40 but going back to take two i'm long take two um in my long-term account i'm sticking with it i don't think it gives it back here today i think it comes in a little bit but i think it gets met with buyers so 169 170 right. actually if i didn't own take two i'd probably be buying take two activision has held up well since its earnings as well so I think the gamers, I still kind of like them in here. Couple different things here. Uh, if you were trying to buy the dip and you were looking for that former low of the move, which a lot of people wear, 161.33, no can do. You had a low here at 161.70. So if you're holding out for that, you didn't get it because it made a low at 162.58. So now you're that far off the low. You're going to be, I agree with you here. You're going to back and fill here. You're going to find, you know, find buyers. I missed the bottom. I got to buy today. Uh, but for me, my level, I, a while ago, I gave you guys a level in pen. And I know Bill Big D listened. And the thing was hanging between 100 and 110. And I'm like, if this puppy doesn't get through 110, it's rolling over. You saw what happened. 
I got a similar level for you here in Take Two Interactive, 176. I mean, you stopped here this many times, one, two, three, four, five, six days in a row. You're coming up into the report, four bucks higher. Yeah, up eight bucks on the day. Maybe it won't happen today, but long term, man, that's your level. Get over 176, hold 176, and then boom, I think you see 185. So if you're looking, if you're long this, you're looking for a target over the next couple of days, that, that, that's my number for you. You can make that a six star. Six star. I didn't know six well, stars I didn't, existed. I didn't, I didn't know that existed either until just now. <laughs> well, you thought it stopped at a five star? Yeah, I thought this actually was- back when Joel used to do the S and P sheets for us in the bright office. He'd have like his one star, which isn't a very good support level, and two stars. This is for the S and P's, and then he'd have like a three stars. And if he really liked the level, he'd put like twenty five stars, just like stars all across the bottom of the page. It was like the biggest level. And he had this printed out for everyone. This is how organized he was as a trading suit, he's a trading manager of the Bright Trading Office. Everybody had that when they came in their office, you know, and sat at their desk at like nine o'clock. They all had their S and P sheets with all the support and resistance levels, all the stars all over it. Joel's star system. But I tell you, when I saw one of those 20-star lines, I took note of that one. <laughs> so, so, so it actually goes much more than six stars, Spencer. I, I, I thought this was, was like the hotel system. Like it kind of stops at five. But <laughs> I guess not. Or Yelp. Yeah, it's better. Um, we did have a couple other. I don't know if you want to go into uh, earnings uh, this morning, but we had uh, TJX is out. Of course, their numbers were good. And they're, I don't know. I think that stock might be red now. The, uh, the, it is. It's in the yeah, red now, unfortunately. Red. Yeah. See, we had uh, JD. Oh, was, we had Lowe's this morning. You want to? You want to go Lowe's? I mean, uh, I just want to say low. different. You know, with with uh, Target here, yeah. it's up in all time highs. I mean, you know, right? Uh, people taking profits a little bit different. I think Target's at all time highs too. But uh, TGX, you know, new all time high yesterday. People that bought it at seventy five, yeah. scratching their head. It's all these stories are just like Dillard's. Somebody was pointing out on CNBC yesterday correctly. Like, what the hell, man? Are you serious with Dillard's? That's what we were saying. What the hell? Was that what were we saying? That was that? Oh, he's giving CNBC credit. It was us saying it. I forget what I say, but give me a break. You know, Dillard's running 40% in three days. I mean, this is just stupid. This is stupid, too. I mean, have you went in those Dillard stores? I mean, they're huge stores. This is mall-based. This is what we hated. Back before COVID started, we all had in our heads that, you know, the mall was dying. And, you know, this was one of these are like, the, you know, the big stores that, that basically, you know, are, in, are, are, are the whole mall. You know, like they're, they're, the, they're the centerpiece of the, of the malls. They're huge, huge, huge stores. Brick and mortar. You don't get more brick and mortar than Dillard's. There's so much brick and mortar in one of those stores. Now they're buying these all to all-time highs. This is a bubble, man. You th- if you're hiding out in Dillard's, holy, it's bubble. Do you know, will do burst you know what eventually. the big catalyst on that? The extra boost on earnings, Dennis. You know what they I, got? I, I, I mean, would this thought say, it'd be Reddit. I, mean, I would assume no, Reddit was well, on this. Maybe it's the new GameStop. I don't know. That's why I won't short it. Share but buyback, it, was Dennis. A, it was a buyback. Yeah, five hundred fifty million. They were going to the market. Five, I know okay, you hate so when I say this. What's the market this. cap? So to do five hundred fifty million dollar buyback, let's just do fun math. Let's take our CFA hat. Math. Here for let's a do second. math. Let's do our CFA hat out here. So you have five hundred million dollar buyback. So that's significant because the market cap's only three billion. So yeah. okay, so five hundred million. If you wanted to do that's ten or fifteen percent. Now it's, 
that that's a crazy that's a good buyback actually i didn't think the market cap was only three billion dollars in dillard's but i don't know like it's around 40 percent now is it priced in you bet it's priced in but you know what these things can continue to go that chart you never short rocket ships and that's full rocket ship mode that could be like 170 on your so you, you can't short it but if you're in it you sell it in my opinion <laughs> So I'm not shorting rocket ships. I don't get paid to short rocket ships. I get paid to short stocks that are weak, relatively weak, not stocks that are exploding. But holy mackerel, man, that is a long-term gift in DDS. We'll look back at DDS at 141 two years from now and say, what were we thinking? Maybe in the same way we look back at Viacom now. Like what what was it? I mean, we know now what why it was up, but it's kind of the same thing. It's like, seriously? You got to sell your peanuts. When when you get gifts from the market like this, you take the gifts or the market will take them for you. I say that all the time. Viacom from 50 to 100. We hated Viacom. The market hated Viacom for a decade. You know, look back, you know, Viacom, CBS, you can't see back because they did the merger. So you can't see past 2019. But I mean, for years, Viacom has been drifting down. It's old school media. You know, nobody, you know, the billboards, you know, everything else. And I joke, but, you know, they do have billboards. I mean, everything's moved to, you know, different types of advertising mediums. And, you know, then there's Viacom and it's like all of a sudden we're like, oh, no, Viacom's back. Value's back. We'll take it from a PE of eight, which was too low, to a PE of like 35 or 40 above the market. Okay, well, that's getting stupid because this company's not growing. So it implodes. And literally the fastest implosion I think I've ever seen. Full disclosure, I'm actually long Viacom now. I've actually bought it down here. Um, I took a piece and I'm actually down in it, so don't get too excited. I bought (laughs) it 42. I bought it 42 and it's a 40 because I thought, you know, there was eventually going to get a little bit of a a lift. It hasn't gotten any lift whatsoever. So I might just cut bait with this thing eventually. But um, I don't know. It's it, it's come down to a point where you know I don't think it's ridiculously valued here again. But at a hundred bucks, what are people thinking? Did Spencer Turnbull throw a no hitter last night? Yes, he did. Oh my lord! Another Spencer. I'm going I'm, long. Spencer. Spencers are hot. We're going long. Time. Uh, all right. You know what? Let, let's bring on our first guest here. Uh, one minute early. Ty, uh, Ivan Feinsetz, partner and CEO at Tigris Financial Partners. Let's get Ivan's thoughts on this market. Mr. Feinsetz, good morning, sir. How are you? We are doing excellent. Oh, you got the screens, you got the map, you got the Bloomberg, <laughs> he's ready to go. We, we got, oh, we got like Ivan that. on the screen? There he is. Where? <laughs> Ivan, <laughs> you haven't done that for us before. Thank you. How Thank are you, you guys doing? Much. <laughs> We're doing? So, the sky's We're falling, doing. Ivan. What do you do? The sky's, the sky's falling. I think we're still in a bull market. So the dips, you got to buy the dips. I knew knew he would say that. I knew he would say that. I think you're right. I think he's right. I do. I, I, you know, I've been bearish talk here for a little bit here because crypto imploded today. But, you know, what's really, there's still, we have still the Tina problem, Ivan. Where do you go? I mean, cash is, cash is, you know, hurting us with inflation significantly. So I just think some of these bubbles come out, some of the froth comes out, and then I think you reload some of your stocks. The bubbles always burst. However, as I said, we're in a bull market. We're heading into a global reopening. We're getting over the pandemic hump. There was huge pent-up demand for consumers to spend, to travel, to go out to restaurants, to interact. Um, <clears throat> we are going. We are going to operate more efficiently. People will go to the office, but they'll also work from time to time at home. So efficiency has improved. Um, 
there's a lot of opportunity. And I still say the Fed is on the side of the bulls and they want to be up behind the inflation curve because inflation is not their focus. Growth, economic growth and job growth is their focus. And I will tell you that Fed Chair Powell has been, in my view, view the best Fed governor we have ever had. He is clear. He is concise. He takes action. You don't have to read between the lines. And he's steadfast and he has been right. And he has, I believe, single-handedly saved the world last March when he took dramatic action. And he has been right. He understands markets. He understands business. And uh, I'm going with him. And he is on our side. He's on the side of the bulls. He, he likes to hand out cash. So, you know, if he continues to be there and handing out cash, it's hard to fight the Fed. Well, Exactly. But I don't think he likes handing out cash. I think he likes doing what is necessary. Okay. Um, I mean, if you look at his background and his bent and his business focus, I, I think it was very hard to him, far hard for him to just endlessly hand out cash. But it was what was needed at the time. The fact that last March, in March of 2020, he cut rates dramatically. He took act, dramatic action, which forced other Fed governors around the world or central bank heads around the world to follow him is what saved the world yep. from falling off an economic cliff. Okay, now we have rebuilt, we are recovering. Thank God for the vaccines. And again, companies like Illumina made the vaccine possible. Back a year and a half ago, they were saying it would take three to five years to have a vaccine. The company Illumina that does genomic mapping enabled the creation of this messenger RNA vaccine technology which got us this vaccine in less than a year, and it's why it's 90-plus percent effective. That also has saved the world. We are coming back strong, uh, and you can see it in retail. There's huge pent-up demand. People want to get out to the mall. They want to get back out to restaurants. Luckily, restaurants were able to save themselves through takeout and delivery and eventually outdoor dining and um, scaled-in uh, reopening. In fact, today, New York City has lifted their curfew and their um, capacity restrictions. So slowly around the country, we are moving back to a more normal level. And hopefully by July 4th, we will celebrate our independence from this so, pandemic. So, so uh, Ivan, just like you, you look at this, this market action right now is like just normal market correction behavior, right? It happens. Stocks, you know, it, they don't go straight up. And uh, what would be the fun in that? And things get overdone, and then on both the upside and the downside. So you want to buy the dips of when good companies sell off, it's time to buy them. Okay, yeah, you're typically you know one of our more bullish guests, and I wouldn't expect anything otherwise from you from you today. Um, is there anything specific though on your radar as far as sectors? You said good companies. What's a good company? Semiconductors. The semiconductor sector has gotten pounded, yet all we hear is that there's a shortage of semiconductors. Good point. So um, companies like um, Intel, I think, is a buy, yeah. especially Corvo. I bought it too. Uh, <laughs> Corvo, Skyworks, um, uh, Qualcomm, they're saying we have a shortage of communication uh, semiconductors, of semiconductors for automobiles. Okay, these are the companies that make those and make the communication components that allow this connectivity. So I think that there's a huge buying opportunity in the semiconductor sector and including applied materials, which makes per semiconductor 
production equipment. You have all the semiconductors announcing huge capital expended investment projects to increase their production capability, their production capacity. So again, you saw a, a huge pullback in applied materials, makes no sense. So I think the semiconductor sector is a huge buy here. All right, we're on the line with Ivan Feinseth, managing partner at Tigers Financial Partners. All right, so you help me out. You're keeping me in my intel, but what about my AT&T? I, I liked the announcement of the deal. Oh, did. I am disappointed about the potential dividend cut. However, what, what's interesting and what I've been thinking about, I've been a bull on Intel. I'm mean, sorry, on, on AT&T. I've been, had a buy on it. And I've loved the dividend yield. And I figure eventually with the, the growth in their 5G network, the uh, wireless business, their first net responder business, they got so many good things going on. Eventually the stock would start to move higher. And in meanwhile, meanwhile while you get, you get paid a nice, at one point it was almost 7% dividend to wait. And the stock hasn't performed in several years. So in theory, maybe cutting the dividend may be also another catalyst that drives growth. However, I, I, I do like the fact that they are now trying a new way to monetize the Warner Media assets. Yeah. I mean, you would think that there would have been no better synergy of content and distribution yet. In almost a, a 30 plus year history, we have seen no benefit from that marriage. So maybe it's better. Uh, the only one that's doing it right really is is Disney. Disney has shown that they have launched. I love Disney. I love Disney Plus. I think the recent weakness in Disney is a buying opportunity. But um, the merger with Warner Media's assets and Discovery creates a a great product. I think Discovery Channel. Has, I mean, the Discovery Company has great channels, great programming, and obviously Warner Brothers and Warner Media has great programming as well. And uh, indications say that consumers will have an average of three or subscribe to an average of three streaming services with uh, somewhere as a budget of 30 to $40. That would enable you to get um, Disney, uh, the Warner streaming, the HBO Max, which is currently called, and uh, Netflix. So you can get a lot of content. And even though people go out, they, they still... You know, everybody has shows that they like. There's time to go out, but time to stay home, and, and people are watching uh, all kinds of streamed content. All right, all right, Ivan, is there anything you don't like then? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should have started there. Well, yes, but I tend to think about what I like and don't really spend much time thinking about You're what I optimist. don't like. Well, I, I am. Yes, I am, but, I mean, I focus on the things that I like uh, and, and why I like them. So it's hard to just come to mind quickly of of what I don't like, okay. but because um, I like certain aspects of retail, I certainly like the technology sector. Um, I don't like commodity based stocks, and I, I again I agree with Powell that uh, the spikes in inflation are caused by the the breaks in supply chains that we saw during the pandemic. We had factories that were closed down. At the same time, we've had spikes in demand for housing, <coughs> which drove up the price of lumber. There was also there's also a, a lumber labor and import issue out of Canada, which has caused a spike in the price of lumber, which is should be relieved. So, um, 
I, I tend just to focus on the areas that I like. Okay. I have one more for you. Uh, what's your price target on cat? On Caterpillar? Yeah. Uh, well, we are just starting to roll out price targets, so I haven't done Caterpillar okay. yet. But again, I'm bullish on Caterpillar because I am bullish on infrastructure. And I like, again, we, we need to fix our roads and bridges. But most importantly, the reason I like things like Skyworks and Corvo is that we need to enhance our communication infrastructure, which we are going through this high-speed 5G network rollout. Also, the power grid. I mean, the power grid is 50 to 70 years old in a lot of places in this country. That's why we have endless power outages and why people are buying things like the Generac generators oh, yeah. and also um, the Tesla power wall and solar panel. So um, I think that uh, Caterpillar is a key component in this Global Keep an eye on 245, Ivan. You got three highs over 245. That's the all-time high. So the longer it takes to get over there, might roll over a little bit. But uh, just keep an eye on that $245 area. Well, but the other Ivan, thing about Caterpillar is that they are dealing with record low dealer inventories right now. So they're working hard to um, build up the inventories so that they have product to sell to meet this upcoming demand. All right, Ivan Feinstein, partner and CIO at Tigerace Financial Partners, joining us bullish as always, Tiger. Oh, man. Ivan, we, we appreciate your, your never-ending glass half full. It's been right. I know. Markets are near all-time highs. Ivan's been right. Thanks a lot, Ivan. Thank you. All right, man. You know, when I when, like, when I go through like the, the guest scheduling and everything, you never know like what the market situation is going to be on the day that you bring in a particular guest. But I will say I have the uncanny ability to bring on great guests at <laughs> great really times. Today. I really do. <laughs> it's because we take so much heat and everybody tells us how I, stupid we are that we got to talk ourselves back up or otherwise I'd have no confidence to even trade today. We're, we're just acting Jeremy like normal financial media. Back. Wait, We're just being normal financial media, tooting our own horn. Yeah. Okay. Enough tooting our own horns. We get a lot of things wrong too. We know we do. So let's go though. We're going to talk. Talk talk. Let's do some. Let's do some ticker time. All right. No, there, it's only eight forty six. We got started early. She got on the dock. Well, there, there was a couple more, and this was also in the chat. So we checks okay. both boxes. But uh, FUTU Futu Holdings this is a Chinese uh, retail brokerage. Had earnings this morning. Uh, absolutely like ridiculous growth year over year their eps last quarter was a dollar three cents it was 16 cents a year ago their revenue last quarter 283 million dollars it was 63 million dollars a year ago so ridiculous year of year growth futu is your ticker uh is it, it is it in the red now for the morning yeah, I, it is in the red yeah. was it up before joel does it already given it all back yeah look at yeah. this selling the rips are just working man as much as buy the dip worked in 2020 sell the rips work in 2021 you're selling rips. You're happy. It's like, I remember I was saying in 2020, every time I sell a stock, I regret it two days later. Every time I buy a stock right now, I regret it two days later. So, I mean, selling the rips continue to work. Um, good job this morning. Whoever was selling at 130, 132, it's come back in. I know nothing fundamentally about this company at all. So I can't comment on that. It's tough for me to even comment. Yeah, it's got good growth. I'd say you got the double bottom down at a hundred bucks, but you know, it's not good that it gives it all back. Uh, I couldn't buy this stock for one simple reason. I mean, it's not a good symbol. Like, why would you want to have a symbol like that? F-U-T-U? Yeah. I don't know. What's wrong with that? I don't know. What's wrong with F-U-T-U? 
I don't know. I'll also say it ten times really fast. All right. All right. I guess you don't get it. All right. Moving on. That one went over me and Spencer's head. Moving on. Spencer got it. I, I I'm not quite sure if I ever get it, but, <laughs> but. Like, we go back to House of Mouse. Disney, I'm not in it yet. I'm All looking right. at this 160 and thinking, man, we might just test that January low, and I will put my order out there. 161. I think I think Disney, if you get the shot six bucks lower from here, you take it. So right. I wanted to buy Disney at 170. We had Tim Quas, come on the show. Save me four points so far because I was going to buy 171. It's 167. Tim said, hold on, hold on. I'm not going to be able to hold on if this thing goes to 161. I'm right. telling well, you, I'm going to be Joel, putting him. We got Joel's level, so that, now we're doomed. Yeah, 169 is now resistance. It was support. Uh, held it almost three days in a row. I'm really torn on the house of mouse and you know, Dennis, you, you almost, you kind of have me convinced a little bit the other day when you talked about the, uh, the March lows. Cause like, yeah. I look at that chart and I'm like, and you're like, Hey, you gotta throw out the March lows. That's Looks like well, January lows in this case, but yeah, um, it didn't mar- bottom of March. It actually was in January for Disney. Well, I'm talking about last year, man. Oh, you're going whole March, March, the other. Oh, whoa. Yeah. You're talking about when we came, where we were when we were in March before COVID started. No, no. The March lows of, of 2020. I'll be more clear. Right, I got to throw all that out. $80 doesn't count anymore. It doesn't exist. I've, right. I've I've put all of like those lows as a one-time event. I don't even consider those on the chart because that was just a gift. We didn't know it at the time because we didn't know what's going to happen. But you know, to go and say oh, it's going to ever test 80 or 90 or 100, I, unless we get another huge pandemic, it's not. So... Yeah. I don't know. So what was sorry, what was your point? Yeah, you know, so because I, I still look at that run from you know over a double, uh, you know, a double and a half up to two hundred. And I just think of all the years Disney's been trading, right? When has it had that kind of price action? Even if you I mean, even if you throw out the uh, you know, the 80 low, and even if you just go from you know, a hundred to two hundred, and all the years of Disney. I mean, this was a pretty steady March here, right? I just, I just, I don't think one seventies cheap. I don't think one sixties cheap. I don't know. Maybe if it came down to this area here, you know, you struggled at one fifty three, one fifty four. You had the pandemic. You came back. You paused there. You came back. You know, and that that was the monthly low. So. I, I just don't know. I just don't know if it's got too far ahead of itself. And the other thing, too, is do you want to be long this stock, the next earnings report, when they give you disappointing Disney Plus numbers? If Maybe it's not going to start going down, but it's going to flatten up. So the street is going to take that, and they're going to do what they did with it at the last earnings report. So I, I, I want to know if uh, if Dennis is selling his forward today. Of course. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I had extra shares that I already sold last night. <laughs> um, but I, I'm no, we can't because you can't I'm, have I'm any more cash in this portfolio. What's that? What are you saying? You can't have any more cash in your portfolio. Well, so you that's the can't problem, sell too. I keep selling into these bloody rallies, and I'm like, oh, you know, like I, I, I at a certain point, you Come know, on, I am getting uncomfortable with having this much cash. You have an event today, though, but this was the plan. You're, you're, you're messing with the plan. <laughs> I got, I was supposed to sell into the plan. <laughs> I had extra Come shares. On, man. I bought extra shares. What movie is that from? 12, 22, 12, 23 last night. 
<laughs> I'm messing with the plan. You're supposed to sell in the event. If I had Ford as a short-term trade, yes. I've, I'm in it for the last year and a half. I'm seven bucks. I honestly just don't feel like paying the tax on it, to be honest. No, the old That's tax. A bad reason to hold a stock. Spoon on the lows, folks. We're on the lows of the session. 74 even. I Minor number in this area, but I don't want to give you a minor number. They're seriously like... I'm I'm looking the same bloody. Did you see stocks. Bitcoin, Dennis? Yeah. Where is it? It's it's it has stopped. It just hit my 34, 30, Well, it did hit 34,000 yet? Did they halt it? <laughs> 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 it's, it hit a circuit breaker and it's halted. Thirty-four thousand. Yeah. What's the, the Mara? Should we look at the Mara and the riots? Oh my gosh! Sure, BTBT, sure. All Mara, fun. new lows of the move. Riot, trying to make new. Well, not quite riot. Holy wow, these things were so awesome at one time. They're not very awesome now. BTBT is another one. Coin, holy macro coin, down another 18 points here. You know, at a certain point, you're going to capitulate. Is this capitulation day for some of these stocks? Oh, I got to get rid of these lines. What about MSTR? That's another one, too. MSTR, 433 from 1300. Bag holder central, all these stocks probably going to be sledding to come back. Look at all this red on the heat map of the crypto. Ethereum's heat. down forty percent today. Is that right? That is right. Sir. <laughs> in one day, that go go look at like how a, do you invest in this stuff? <laughs> I got, I have like an Ethereum. I honestly, I put like zero point one percent of my net worth in it, and I'm probably down big money because it's like down. I, four, I, I yeah, sure hope day it's down forty percent today. It's, it's down to to twenty one hundred. Right I sure now. hope Nick is not trading his plan today. In What's the wrong with this? This stuff here is <laughs> this is gambling, man. It's down forty percent one day. Uh, I'm mad that I own a little piece of it. I sold half. It's a smaller sold. piece now, Dennis. Oh, it's, yeah, it's basically it. you might as well forget about it. It's got nothing left with it. So, yeah, Doge is down 51%. If you care about that, uh, 0.046893278465. Doge is down 50% today in the last 24 hours. <laughs> okay, this is not just a crypto. We should laugh. Crypto we should not laugh because people this are losing money. This is a crypto crash. You know what, though? This stuff here, yeah. Uh, okay, we shouldn't laugh because there is some people losing a serious amount of money in it. If you've got your money in Fugazi, which is what all this stuff is, and you're putting all your money into Fugazi. it, you've got to know what you're in. This can go anywhere. It's just numbers. Nobody can value this stuff. There's no way to value it. There's no cash flows. So it's difficult. I do like Ethereum. So I said I liked it at 2600 about an hour ago. It's 2000 now. Am I going to buy more Ethereum today? Maybe I will actually buy the piece that I sold just to get it back. I like the Ethereum better than the Bitcoin, but this is all just tough. Mitch, what are you saying? You're just hitting the background. Yeah, Mitch he hides on days like this. this. Is yeah, yeah, I don't think Mitch, is our, Mitch has been all this over this. Mitch went 100% cash. He's been all over this trade. You know yeah, what? I, I, um, I actually have been. I've been just dipping my right. toes in the in the growth names. I'll, oh, I'll play them just this. for the morning rip, but then I'll sell immediately into the morning rip. Can't hold them overnight. No, <laughs> no, no. Over but the minute. How is that, Ethereum down forty percent? What happened? We, we missed your coin. We were just about to bring out your coins, guys. Oh, this this is these we are were our just coins. About to bring Do you want to invest coins? in the pre market? You know what? Coin. I I got a level for you, folks, in Bitcoin. <laughs> what do you got? 20k 
What? What are you pulling? That's where I originally bought them. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. It's going to give it all back. Where are you pulling that from? 20K? What? Spencer? No. That is still why I said 20K. Yeah, 20K was the original, like in 2018 or 2017. That was the high. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I yeah, remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember that. It's going to suck for me if it goes there. there and I give Come it all on. back. Where yeah, 30? 20K. We're at 32,000 right now. Come on, 20. All right. Hell, it was it. A... What do you mean you're at 32? Stop. We were at 34 like two minutes ago. We're at 32 now? <laughs> I don't know. I, I know. Right. Can we just lose $2,000 in the last two minutes? I don't even know where my cost basis is. Oh, oh, no, I don't know where my cost basis is. <laughs> I have no joke, idea. Joke, joke. It was a joke. I honestly, this is just, um, I don't even know. Dennis, is it a loss for words? I was not laughing about this a little bit, but now I just found out half my Ethereum went down 40% today. I'm like, oh, that's not good. I just investing in crypto. I don't know. Paul Ripley. Dennis oh. was at a loss for words. He started to say something. I, mean, and I, then see he down, I thought you meant it was down 40% from the highs. That's down 40% today. <laughs> and for what some is the pad- why is Ethereum down 40%? Do we know? Is there Besides ever, everybody hitting the exit button at the same time? Is there ever a real reason in, in the crypto market for anything? Two minutes. Serious question. Serious question. Two is minutes. In two, this, is a, uh, this is a 15-minute chart. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. exaggerating. Let's go to a one. Where's my one-minute chart here? I just want to see how much value this the crypto lost in one minute. Let's see here. Uh 35, oh, that's not too much, right? 30, 30, 35, 5 to 32, 5. Now getting a little rebound there. Holy mackerel, what a move in crypto. All right, three minutes left. Um, what else you got on your list, Spencer? Oh, nothing really. Uh, if chat has any questions, drop them in. We'll do a couple minutes of ticker time. But we have uh, Sasha pointing that coming on in at 9 o'clock. He's the co-CEO of Jumia. Uh, and actually, before we bring Sasha on, I haven't done a like push today. Let's get some likes. I mean, look, we're all down. In our no one likes today. us today. We're arrogant AWSs. Is that what they said? I, I'm, I'm not Ann Arbor. That's what they call yeah. everyone in Ann Arbor. Oh. All right. Well, look, look, no one likes this market, but you can like our show anyway. So hit that like button. Let's oh, get my Lord. Button. Look at the spoos. Dennis, do we have a chance to hit one of these five percenters? I'm pulling today? my bids pretty soon. <laughs> Cancel all orders. Two I don't charts. even have very many bids out there, but I just got hit on some XOP. So I'm and like, look okay, at the maybe correlation, gotta... Dennis. You talked about this before. Look at the crypto uh, spook correlation. It's, it's almost like people are puking out the the market because they have to meet their crypto margin. Uh, that, if, if you've got certain things down 40%, there's probably something to that, Joel. I mean, you know, you got, you know, crypto getting hit that hard. It, this is, don't kid yourself. This buy sell off is crypto. Uh, the, the, when you have a crypto market imploding like that over a 24 hour period, it's going to have ramifications and everything. So um, it's not surprising at all that you're seeing the stocks and spoos roll over here significantly because there's a lot of money in crypto. A lot of money just got lost. A lot of money like got lost right there. Yeah, yeah. And Do you look, still have any crypto left, Spencer? I've 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 got Bitcoin, and but and but remember, I said I never and got around to buying Ethereum. So for me, this is not. That I, I think I actually might buy some Ethereum. On yeah, hell, hell yeah, I'd buy some today. I never yeah. bought it before. I sold half of it. It was like thirty seven hundred. I think it went to like forty two or forty three though. Like I sold early. Um, I bought it like twenty three hundred. And a week later, it was like 3600 I was like, oh, I just made 60% of my money a week. I'm selling half. 
And then it went to like 42 or where, how was the high on Ethereum? 4,300? Uh, let's look. Oh, like, holy, that was a bad sell. And we'd have waited three that's days. We'd have got like 20% more money. Tennis, you can't have bad everything. <laughs> I'm sure you can. I have a bad PL going today. I'll tell you that. Like, I, I actually, I thought it was hedged, but I got some stuff getting hammered here today on the overnight account. Uh, what what was Ethereum high? 40. Look, Tarjay coming in. Tarjay's coming in. I didn't, I don't want to say anything. I think Target's going to hold up. I think it's going to close green. <laughs> it's oh, wow. <laughs> well, everything else goes red. That's actually a bold <laughs> call. It, wow. Man, that I was. I think Target could hold up. But I don't know if we roll over on everything. This is not setting up well. I'm ready to cancel all my bits. Not joking. All right, Joel. Should Dennis, cancel them about an hour. I should, I should have. Yeah. Joel and Dennis, do either of you have any final thoughts besides maybe buying Target? I don't know. No, uh, no I'm not buying Target. Dennis, good luck. Good luck with your Oilers tonight, man. Oh yeah, look at this representing. It's Connor McDavid Day. Let's go Oilers! David All right, I'm out of here. Sorry. Yeah, to uh, I'm gonna this stay on for a ugly. few minutes, folks. Uh, I'll right. do a few levels, man. But this is a tough market, so it's All for right. informational purposes only. I say that every day. All right, let me bring on my man Chris Kachi. Today is the crossover event of the century. It's what they're calling it. Chris Kachi, co-host of Spax Attack. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Spencer. What's going on? Pleasure to see you this early in the morning. I don't you, you typically see you this early, but uh, uh, the crossover he, event of the year you called it. That's what they're calling it. Uh, all right, let, let's bring on uh, our special guest here, uh, and we can get to some questions that we have. We'll get to some questions from the chat. But Sasha Pointenek is the co-founder and co-CEO of Jumia Technologies. If you don't know the symbol, it's J M I A. Sasha, good morning. Thank you for joining us on Pre Market Prep. Thanks, Spencer. Nice to see you, and great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so uh, let me just start uh, with this question. Uh, uh, I think most of our listeners are aware of Jumia, your, your e-commerce, uh, and, and a little bit more uh, for Africa. Uh, for people who don't follow that market super closely uh, and, and the current events there, uh, can you just, from your, from, your, from your vantage point, outline the current situation in Africa as far as uh, lockdown and, and reopening and maybe how that differs from us here in the States? Yeah, I mean, it's the, the situation is very fluid in Africa. There's never really been in most of the countries like a real lockdown as we as we know it, right? As we've known it, and so there've been some instances of uh, of true lockdown, but most of the time it was like some type of movement restrictions for people. Um, the most common one being curfew, right? So people being prevented from going out at night and those kind of things. Uh, but for the most part, it was you know stores were open and people could go on with, with their lives, I would say, uh, with some movement restrictions and curfews, especially. Okay. And at the moment, you know, you've got like the situation varies by market, by country, but it's pretty loose right now. And uh, there's some some level of restrictions, but most of them have, uh, you know, have waived. So w one of the biggest things that Jumia has going for it is that you're the market leader in in, in Africa uh, for, for e-commerce, right? Um, can you explain maybe why Africa is such a difficult market to penetrate. I mean, you've done it, but Amazon hasn't, Alibaba hasn't, um, Mercado Libre right, hasn't, all these other big players on in other continents. What, what makes Africa such a challenge? I think what, what makes it very special is that you have in Africa probably a very unique situation where the distribution of goods is just the most difficult in the world, right? And notoriously, you have very few stores, you have like uh, infrastructures, which I would say 
make traditional retail very difficult to uh, to grow. And historically, you had probably less internet penetration, right? So when you were looking at Africa, you were seeing maybe a market that would make it very difficult to, to operate an e-commerce business. And for e-commerce, you need good logistics, you need payment, you need the seller base and so on and so forth. And I think with the rise of the mobile, and um, you know, we were able to say, look, now people are online. And so if we can overcome the building a marketplace, building the supply, if we can overcome the logistics and the payment, then we have a business that is going to be very relevant for consumers because you know, there's less retail in Africa, so it should be very relevant for them. And so we started with this idea and we put a lot of effort in building that marketplace, the payments and the logistic. And now that we have the platform, uh, you know, up and running, uh, we're in a very good situation because it's obviously very hard to replicate. Awesome. I'm going to jump in here, Stasha. So one of the questions I have is about the balance sheet. Uh, so Jumia has raised over $500 million in the past six months to strengthen that balance sheet. What are your current plans um, for that cash on hand um, with the balance sheet going forward? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. At the moment, we're very focused on the core business. And by core business, I mean our existing countries. You know, there are 54 countries in Africa, and we're present in 11 of those. And those 11, they represent something like 70% more or less of the GDP and the population and so on. So we're quite focused on those, right? And then we are very focused on building our core offering on e-commerce and food delivery right so developing further those services and the third aspect of course is uh, jumia pay which for us is a key priority to drive the penetration of our payment uh, offer and our payment system within our existing consumers and then gradually expanding it to third parties so it's really focusing on the core continuing to drive the core and uh, accelerate the growth continue to drive the business towards profitability and from there, once we have achieved uh, those objectives, then we may venture into more countries. We may go into more, uh, you know, business development uh, opportunities. But for now, it's very much on the core. Accelerate the growth, accelerate Jumia Pay, and uh, continue to drive the path to profitability. Perfect. So you recently reported uh, first quarter earnings, and we'll we'll dive in a little bit to uh, revenue and profitability later on question I have for you is some of the other metrics. So do you see growth accelerating for new users, average transaction size and number of transactions to continue going forward? Yeah, at the moment we have uh, we have taken a few years ago quite a we made a choice to 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 put more focus on what we call everyday categories, which have inherently a lower, uh, you know, average ticket value, but are driving more, uh, you know, usage and are very relevant to the consumers. So as we look into the next few quarters, we think that the acceleration will be greater on users and transactions, and uh, than on GMV because I think we will have more growth into the everyday category than the uh, you know uh, higher ticket category and so i think that we'll have more growth on users and, and orders uh, in that respect awesome so you know uh, spencer already mentioned you know africa being harder for some of these e-commerce players to uh, get in there and um you know he mentioned uh, Amazon, Alibaba, and some others. So my question for you is, you know, we've seen speculation by some investors that Jumia could be ripe for a takeover. 
Have you heard that speculation and what's your reaction to it? Yeah, I mean, you every now and then you read those things and, and you know, it's like, you know, everyone has their opinion about this. We are absolutely, you know, focused on building the business and making it right for the consumers, for the sellers and for the stakeholders and uh, the rest, you know, we don't control, right? And it's a bit like sometimes people ask me about the share price. I say, look, you know, we're focused on execution, defining a good strategy, executing it very well. And the rest, you know, to some extent uh, comes from that, right? So our absolute focus is execution, 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 and um, and take it from there, you know? Uh, aside from, you know, a possible acquisition, has Jumia been approached, um, you know, by any of these other e-commerce players for maybe more of a uh, partnership or a joint venture rather than a, a takeover? I mean, we have discussions with with uh, with a lot of players and a lot of partners. You know, you you have seen in our shoulders, for example, we have Mastercard. We have also a telecommunication operator in Africa, and uh, and also a, a spirit, you know, manufacturer. So I think we have a lot of partners who see Jumia as as a strategic partner for them to develop in Africa. Uh, we also work very well with uh, a number of large FMCG, the likes of PNG, L'Oréal, uh, distributors like Carrefour, and uh, and many more. Right. So I think we, you know, we are very well positioned to to partner with those those big players when they think about Africa. And the fact that we operate in those eleven markets and that we have this Pan African footprint is also very good um, asset, I would say, to to drive those strategic partnerships. Because with one partnership with Jumia, you can reach almost seventy percent of the the addressable market. So we, we we like partnerships, and we have many partnerships, and I think we'll continue to have partnerships with, you know, the various industry players that make sense for us. Uh, Sasha, I want to ask you about the the sales of, of higher revenue items, right? Uh, electronics, uh, phones uh, declined in the first quarter uh, year over year. Uh, can you speak a little bit what what was behind that that decline? I have the chart up up on the screen. What was behind that decline in the, the sale in uh, higher revenue items? Yeah, I think I mean, look, if you see on this chart, they still represent thirty seven percent, right? So for us, they're very important categories. We're not, you know, going away from those and they're very relevant to the consumers, right? Obviously, in Africa, a lot of consumers, when they have disposable income, they think about, you know, equipping with a new phone or, or, or you know, getting a newer version or something like that. So I think it's those are very important categories for us. At the same time, there's a number of factors, uh, you know, of course, we're putting less resources behind those, right? So we're putting less promotional dollars, less marketing behind those because we prefer to put those resources behind the other categories. At the same time, we've had some level of supply disruptions uh, in the market due to, you know, the the, 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 the COVID and the, the transportation issues and so on and so forth. Then you have also some, you know, probably... Uh, the COVID situation is weighing on the consumer spending. So maybe some consumers are spending less on those categories. So, you know, it's hard to unpack which uh, of those three, but I think there's some, some, some reasons behind that. But again, we are quite comfortable behind this because A, they still represent a good share of the business. So, you know, whether it's uh, 37 or 40, I think we're, we're very comfortable with that. And then our unit economics continue to improve, right? So, I think it's something that we uh, 
we we drive to some extent and is also a reflection of the market but all in all it's something that uh, it's a trend that we're not uh, particularly worried about uh, and you, you spoke, you mentioned union economics there. Jumia uh, is, is slowly but surely creeping towards profitability. Um, do, do you have do you have like a, a, a timeline on that down the road? I mean, you're getting closer, but you're not quite there yet. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yes, of course. I think you know it's a choice we made a couple of years ago because you know we we had you know when we launched the business, the first few years we. We, we, we figured it out, I would say, right? Like those things I mentioned, you know, how do you do logistics? How do you do payments? Do we want to be 1P, 3P? How, how do we want to build this? Is, is it even possible to, to scale and so on and so forth? And we made a lot of decisions and then we spent a few years building the platform. And, uh, and then at this point, we really made this important decision that we wanted to prove that the business could be profitable as we scaled it, right? And so for us, it was very important because if you just think about scale and say, okay, you worry about profitability and profitability, everything will be okay when we are big, you know, uh, then you know, if not everything is okay, then you have a big problem. So for us, we made this choice to say, we want to put our unit economics under control so that as we accelerate the growth and as we scale, we are going to have a great business, right? And so for us, it was very important to do that. And, uh, you know, Africa is a new region for investors. Many investors, you know, they're investing in Africa for the first time. And, uh, and uh, you know, we wanted to, to show that the model works, right? right? And to show that the model works. And I remember two years ago when we prepared the IPO and when we, we did the IPO, the IPO, sorry, we were still losing money after logistics. And so people were telling me, you know, logistics is maybe too expensive in Africa. You, you're not going to make any money, you know. And those kind of questions, until you deliver like we did four, five, six quarters, where you're making money after logistics, the questions remain forever, right? And so for us, it was very important to put this behind us. And uh, so that in the next years, and you know, we are very long-term in the next decades, as we drive more growth, we know confidently that this growth is going to be uh, very, you know, uh, not very profitable, but you know what I mean, contributing to profitability. And, uh, and that's very important because uh, otherwise you scale, you scale, and then uh, you don't really know. Now we know. Sasha, there's been some discussions of, you know, Jumia Logistics, Jumia Pay, you know, possibly being spun off down the road. What goes into that decision making and what's kind of the timeline of that process right now? We, we indeed mentioned that several times as part of our very long term strategy. Right. So this was to and, and we explained that we have built the logistics and we have built payments as businesses, right? And we want to be in a position to, to, to spin them off the day it becomes big enough and relevant enough to consider that. I think we are years and years and years away from that, right? Uh, but we are nevertheless building those two assets as future standalone businesses so that if we decide to do that, we are in a good position to do it. And uh, for now, they are still extremely... Uh, you know, integrated within the Jumia ecosystem. And it's it's way too early to even, you know, consider that we're talking years away. Is Jumia exploring any bolt-on acquisitions to expand regionally or into new new verticals right now? Well, 
we don't comment on <laughs> on that obviously uh, as we said you know as i said what i can say is that we're extremely focused on the core right so our existing markets uh, and we want to drive you know accelerate the growth of the usage and so on so i think we're focused on the core right now um, and that's all i can say Perfect. So you have the the Jumia food segment with uh, some food delivery. Uh, it looks like expanding into the quick commerce delivery space as well. Can you talk a little bit about this expansion um, and what it could mean for Jumia going forward? Yes, very much. Jumia food is a is a very good business for us. It's a very good. We call it a category, if you will, and we have that now in ten countries, forty eight cities, as you can, you're showing now on the slide, is growing extremely well, and it's a it's a business that is extremely relevant to the consumers because um, you know consumers love to use that service and and it's no secret it's growing almost everywhere in the world it's growing very well and of course you know a few years ago we decided look if you can deliver a pizza within 30 minutes right it means you can pretty much deliver anything why could you not deliver you know as you see on this uh, tiny screenshot like supermarket alcoholic drinks uh, shopping pharmacy flowers, whatever you want, right? Because after all, you've done the hardest. Like if you can deliver a pizza in, in you know, Nairobi or Casablanca or, or Lagos in 30 minutes, then the rest should be, should be, should be pretty, pretty easy compared to that. And so we started to add more shopping categories to the platform and uh, we are seeing very good traction. And, and this is an area that we want to accelerate. I think it's extremely relevant, obviously for uh, grocery, and uh, and I would say convenience shopping, which is very relevant to the consumers. And today, on-demand services, the Jumia food is about 20% plus of our orders. And uh, I think it's going to continue to grow very well. You know, we've already mentioned a couple times about the, the African market being, you know, hard to enter with some of the lo logistic nightmares there. So your logistics business, you know, has been years of work and you recently opened it up to third parties. So why was this important and, and how can it help leverage Jumia's scale into rewarding shareholders down the road? Yeah, it's uh, as you said, this our Jumia logistics is one of our biggest assets, right? I mean... As you <laughs> gently pointed out, this was no small task to 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 build, and uh, we recently gave uh, quite some color on one of the aspects of our logistic platform, which are the pickup stations and the pickup pickup points where the consumers can go. And uh, we've got about 20, 25 percent of the orders are going into those thousands of points. The rest is going straight to the home of the people with the last mile, and. Um, and uh, we've also pointed that quite a substantial share of the packages are going outside the big cities. You know, we have a very big presence in the secondary cities and also in the rural area, which is uh, very relevant for the consumers, because if you think about it, there's even less stores in those uh, in those regions. So e-commerce is somewhat even more relevant. And we, we, we built that patiently and uh, and we reserved it for the Jumia sellers for many years. And last year we decided to pilot and to let both our existing sellers ship some packages which are outside the Jumia orders and let some businesses which have quote unquote nothing to do with Jumia to put some packages into the system. And we're seeing very good results. 
uh, we need to do that uh, step by step because, of course, uh, we need to protect the Jumia customer experience and vendor experience first and foremost. But it's very promising and uh, it's something that we count on to drive additional revenues and margins to the platform, right? So we think that Jumia Logistics is a business, is going to be a very successful business and will generate healthy margins for uh, for the company and drive the valuation of Jumia going forward. Uh, of course, you know, right now we're still in the pilot phase, right? So this is something that we're piloting. I mean, at the same time, we've had like several hundreds of, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of packages. So it's, you know, it's real and it's happening in many countries um, and uh, and it's going to develop. But again, as we said during the previous call, we, we go gradually, right? So one should not expect, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, one should expect gradual development of this one, but we are going there with, uh, with very strong confidence. Chris and I have some more questions, but I want to give the chat uh, some time as well. So if you have a question for Sasha, drop it in chat. We'll try to answer it. Here's one from the chat, uh, or here's two, and they're kind of the same question. Uh, what is Jumia's uh, biggest obstacle to growth right now? And if you want to talk specifically about this year, you can, or just overall. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's you know, it's when you think about it overall, I, I believe the growth for, for us is driven by, uh, by the fundamental aspects of, uh, of convenience, selection, price, and trust, right? This is the magic equation for consumers that, of course, they need to trust the platform. And then, then when they come to Jumia, they need to have selection, price, and convenience, right? Uh, meaning they need to find the products that they need with a very good price and deliver very fast or at least very conveniently to them. And uh, there's no silver bullet, right? On those four dimensions, to accelerate the growth, you need to work on those four. You need to bring more sellers, more selection, more products. You need to bring better prices. And to do that, you bring more sellers who are competing with each other. You reduce your logistic costs so that you can lower the delivery fees and so on and so forth. And to drive the convenience, you accelerate the delivery, you create the queue commerce, you increase the number of pickup stations and so on and so forth. And uh, and then you 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 have an impact. And I would say the fourth one, which I mentioned, is trust. And here we, we, we generally we have a very good uh, you know perception and brand perception in, in Africa. We've published in Q1, for example, we showcased a, a brand ranking that was done by a third party in Egypt where we appeared very, very high. Um, and at the same time, it's also a lot of the, the marketing that we do is very local. Uh, maybe some of you, you have read uh, in the previous uh, release that we have done that when we asked to, uh, we did the survey about two, two years ago now, we asked to the consumers, why are you not shopping online, right? So some people who have never shopped online, why? And the number one reason that came was because I don't know how to shop, right? The second reason was because I, I'm not sure the products are genuine. And the third one was because I cannot check the quality. So all those barriers, if you think about it, the good news is they're not infrastructure barriers. It's, you know, it's it's the trust, it's the, you know, the habit of e-commerce, being comfortable with the service and knowing that you can return the products and, and getting to understand how you can shop, right? So this is why, um, you know, our, all our efforts on marketing are geared towards making people comfortable, trusting the platform and so on. So one, two, three, four, you know, price, selection, convenience, trust. This is the magic equation. There's no silver bullet, just hard work on all of those. 
And then uh, I want to get one more, and then we'll let you we'll let you hop here. Uh, but what market uh, is most critical for Jumi's success going forward? It's a very good question, and um, I think one of the biggest asset we have for for our partners, for for the company, but also for investors, is the geographical diversification. Right, we are in those eleven countries, and we don't publish data by region, but we have volunteered that you know. Nigeria is about 20, 25% of our business, then Egypt is about 20%, and then North Africa, about 15, 10 to 15, then West Africa, 10 to 15, then East Africa. My point being, of course, Nigeria is extremely important, Egypt is extremely important, but we are truly diversified geographically, right? And this is very important because, of course, when you operate in emerging markets, you face certain macro risks and the last thing you want is to be only exposed to one country because if something happens then your business is very damaged right so i think the the true diversification that we have is a is a huge asset it's also a big asset towards you know best practice sharing talent innovation and uh, we are very centralized in the sense that we have one data platform one single technology which is you know leverage for all those markets so yes, of course, Nigeria, I'm not going to lie, is very important. It's 25% of our business, right? But, you know, if something happened, then we would still have 75% of the business elsewhere, right? And that's very important. So definitely Nigeria is important, but Morocco is very important, Kenya, Ivory Coast, and so on and so forth, because at the end of the day, we really are one, uh, one very integrated group, and uh, we adapt to the local markets. We make it very... Uh, relevant to the users, but we operate as one. And uh, so, you know, that's what I can say. Sasha Poynanek is the co-founder and the co-CEO of Jumia Technologies. Tickers up on the screen, JMIA. Uh, JMIA. Sasha, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Pre-Market Prep. Appreciate the opportunity, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. All the best. All thank right. you. And Chris, thanks to you as well. Hope you enjoyed uh, your little... Uh, time on pre-market prep this morning. I, I did. You know, that was a big interview. You know, shout out to Zoli for getting this done. Shout I know out there's Zoltan. Smash uh, the like for Zoltan, everyone. I, I know there's a lot of fans out there of Jumia. You know, I, I've been following this company, you know, for, for around a year. I, I've been invested in it. So full disclosure, I own JMIA shares. I've been a bull. I like the e-commerce segment in the emerging market. So, you know, I, I really like the answers here and, you know, the focus on profitability and getting some, I think, some new data points uh, from Sasha today. So, you know, great interview, um, as always, here on Pre-Market Prep. All right, Chris, uh, we'll see you later in, in uh, about an hour and a half for SPACs Attack. 11 a.m. Eastern time, SPACs Attack. We'll see everyone there. All right. Uh, guys, well, well, we got a lot happening right now. We are in a fast market. I, I saw that note in chat about Binance uh, you know, halting withdrawals. I don't know what is going on out there in the crypto market, but it is not pretty. In all seriousness, it is it is a bloodbath out there this morning in crypto. So, um, you know, this is not investment advice, uh, but take a breath. All right. I mean, you know, this is this is kind of par for the course. These these things happen. Uh, it's, it's kind of flash crashes in crypto. Um, you know, I, I'm right along with you in, in in terms of Bitcoin. So I don't know what to say, but it's not looking pretty this morning uh, in crypto markets. But uh, the market will go on. 
Um, so, all right, uh, smash the like, guys, for that interview. Uh, hat tip, huge, huge, huge hat tip to Zoltan. That wouldn't happen without him. He's one of our news desk slash producer extraordinaires at Benzinga. Does a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, got that interview set up. Huge shout-out to Zoltan. Smash those likes if you want to see more CEO interviews. We are trying our best to bring more executives on. If you want to see anyone in particular, drop us a line in chat. Shoot us an email, shows at Benzinga.com. Tweet at Benzinga. Tweet at me. My handle's up on the screen, at SJ Israel. And uh, we will try our best to bring those guests on for you. One last thing I want to promote, and then we'll, we'll hop on over to live training with David Green. We are doing a 100,000 subscriber contest. Benzinga is on the doorstep of 100,000 subs on our YouTube channel. We are giving away a free share of Tesla for that contest. How do you enter? You click on the link I just put in in the comments right there. It's also in the description. If you missed it, the link is in the description. I'll say it again. Enter the contest. Subscribe to our channel. When we cross 100,000 subscribers, we're giving away a free share of Tesla and some other stuff too, but the free share of Tesla is the highlight. All right. It is 929. We are about to open. I'm going to get off the stream here. David Green, live trading the open right now on this channel. This video is going to redirect. You don't have to do anything, click anything. It's going to redirect you straight to that stream. I think he's on right now, and uh, I'm going to hop. Everyone smash that like. Please remember, as always, all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing advice. Thanks to both our guests today, Sasha and Ivan. Thanks to all of you in our chats. Good luck today. I'll see you guys a little little bit down the line uh, for the rest of our shows today. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.